Hello. This is Uncle Hokage. Your Otaku uncle. It's a nice, dreary, blurry day in your Uncle Hokage's land. It's not quite the hidden village of mist, but, or is it the hidden mist village? I can't really remember. I didn't get to visit in my day. It's funny when I think about how Boruto is kind of trying to evolve the mythos of Naruto, making it a little bit more modern. And it's turning the hidden mist village into this like potential friendly ally. Did it kind of quickly, did it kind of behind the scenes. I don't know if I'm into that, but it's interesting. The conflict between villages was like a crazy staple in the Naruto world when we first started watching. And it was such a big deal when the enemy turned into an ally with the hidden village of sand. But I digress. I was just using that as a jumping point to say that it is a misty, gray, wonderfully dreary day. On days like this, I tend to curl up in bed. I tend to watch anime. I tend to work on the website, work on the YouTube page, work on uh, ideas on how to get things going. I'm so beside myself and thrilled and ecstatic and involved and enthusiastic about all this stuff. And I'm simultaneously frustrated and anxious and impatient and confused by all this stuff. It's kind of tough going and I wouldn't have it any other way. It's tough insofar that it's difficult to get the buy-in from people and it's difficult to get things off the ground without capital. And it's not tough insofar as I have a million, trillion, billion ideas, and I've always been kind of a jack of all trades when it comes to creative things and creative thinking. I could always figure things out, figure out programs and stuff like that, so I've never been worried. But that um, element where you collaborate, that's the tricky part. I've been uh, reaching out to a lot of different models because I want to put together the catalog for the t-shirt line, which I'm so excited about. I have some really cool stuff. I have this Mikasa shorts from, um, you guys know her from Attack on Titan. She's everyone's favorite badass um, Ackerman. And they're these bike shorts. They're super cool. Uh, Every time I show them to um, one of the models or to my girl or to whomever, they're like, oh, those are super cute. I like those. Those are awesome. Cool. Going in the right direction. I like that too. I got this really cool detective shock Pikachu (laughs) crop top and t-shirt, which I really want to kind of get going. Um... But it's like putting the catalog together. Got to find the right girl. Got to find the right image. I have to find the right design, the right style, the right vibe. And we're slowly piecing it together. But it's a challenge. Uh, In addition to that, as a lot of you guys probably know, I've been building and crafting and pushing for the YouTube page and the IG page. And while I'm not as good on video as I am in audio form, I'm okay. I like those little short clips and I think I want to do a little bit more when it comes to those because I like the connection, I like the immediacy. And I feel like if you see me and you see me talking, then you're going to be more likely to be like, okay, cool, boom, this is who I'm relating with. This is who I'm talking to. So I'm trying to improve that. I'm trying to figure out the thumbnail game and how to make kind of cool thumbnails. And then I'm going to try and make some different interesting thumbnails just to have two or three backgrounds of um, 
trying, does this one make pe- make it pop? Does that one make it pop? Stuff like that. Uh, secondly, I'm going to need to get myself a little HD camera. I'm going to start posting it up in random places. Just a HD camera that I can just set somewhere and that I can get a microphone with and I can just literally set it down and just go. Because I think that might be the secret of just the quality. Uh, beyond that, um, I don't know. I'm just trying to put pieces together. I'm really excited about that little classic anime streaming thing that I'm putting together. It's the weirdest idea I've ever had, and it's also the one that's been the most fun. What I'm doing is I'm trying to make an anime TV channel where you just go there, and you, when you go to the website, it just plays classic anime from different sources automatically. You don't have to pick a show. You can obviously go in and change it if you want. But no thinking, just watching, background, and then some other cool, interesting things. But that classic anime TV, um, I'm going to post the official site once I get the domain up next week. And then we're just going to give it a go. Because why not? I'm not sure if this is possible, feasible, real, rational. I don't know anything. I'm just trying stuff. And I know that when I watch it, I actually watch it, which is kind of surprising for me. I put it on and then shockingly, I find myself watching the content. So I don't know if that means I'm just weird and it's just stuff that I like or if this is actually something that I kind of wanted and I get sucked into these shows. And it's some of the classic ones, some of the newer ones, like, you know, Project Echo is my go-to classic uh, show OVA movie. And then there's some other classics like Here's Greenwood that's going to pop up. And then some of the ones from that are more recent, like Gundam Seed. Um, and then some other surprises. And I just find myself watching and watching and watching. The idea is to just have constant programming, like a, like a TV network, where this is the channel. And if you want to watch this channel, cool, boom, like, share, uh, subscribe send it to your friends. And if you do subscribe, we're going to send you some cool, fun giveaways and stuff like that. This is the kind of thing that I'm getting into that I want to invest into because I feel like there's so many untapped spaces that we haven't even tried. I don't even know if it's going to work, but I want to try them all because that's kind of my DNA is to sample, try, test, see what works, set it up and then boom, kick it out the door. That's what I like to do. Um, in addition to that, we're going to try to start the uh, anime jam. Uh, I have a buddy, and he does game jams. He's a um, pretty dope coder, and he's made some small little indie video games, and he's trying to really get into that scene. So I know a little bit of code, but he's way more advanced than me. But he was just telling me he goes to these things called game jams which is a cool concept. What it is, is it's like a, almost like a cram session for video games where a group of people, group of talent, so you'll have coders, developers, animators, illustrators, musicians, they get together and they say, okay, we have two days. We're gonna just sit there and create some game they plan it and they say this is the day and they sit and they do the game jam all day that is so cool to me i want to do some anime jams and some manga jams because i don't think anyone's doing it so i'm going to figure out how do i put that together do i make a site do i post it on medium do i post it on meetup and then i'm just gonna go i'm gonna be like this is what we're gonna do we're going to sit, we're going to plan, and then one day we're going to make an animated short. Or we're going to make a, and we're going to, we're going to do like short animation. We're going to do VOs, voiceovers. We're going to do music, and we're going to put the whole thing together over a weekend. And it's going to be silly and bad, but we're going to do it. And as we do it, we are going to slowly find out how do we put together an anime in that form 
what's the best way to animate it? What's the best way to do it? Should we do still images and do voiceovers that way? But we want to get started that way. That's what I want to do because I want to be in that anime arena. And I'm not sure exactly what my role is. I don't know if I'm going to be creative. I don't know if I'm going to be corporate. I don't know if I'm going to be a director, developer, a musician, whatever. I just know that that's kind of my path. Um, so I'm going to kind of figure that out. I think that's going to be awesome because I feel like we are doing stuff and not actioning stuff. And that's kind of where it goes. So, um, before I kind of get into it, because I just have a lot of thoughts, I've been watching Gundam seed. I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Xenogears and I want to lean into this nostalgia because it's kind of in my brain right now. Just these moments of, of enthusiasm and joy and just somber feeling and intensity just from watching the these shows and, and watching these old video clips from stuff that I haven't really seen and touched and smelled in a long time. So I want to talk a little bit about that before I do. Just want to throw it out one more time. Go to my medium page, search for Uncle Hokage, and you'll see posts from myself and from some of my other writers, uh, just talking anime, just little things that we like, some nostalgia, classic games, classic, uh, classic shows, anime weird stuff that's popped up here and then. And at the same time, I want you to go and say hi to me on Instagram, say hello, there might be a prize in there for you. Go to Uncle Hokage on Instagram, you'll find me. Uh, so let's get right into it. Xenogears is the greatest RPG of all time. Xenogears is the greatest JRPG of all time. Xenogears is the greatest anime inspired RPG of all time. At least these are the the sentences I would have said uh, if you talked to me at age 13, 14, 15 or whenever the hell I first played it. I have some incredibly fond memories of this series. I have some just thriving, exciting, exhausting memories from this series. And whenever I even see the logo or I see the character art or I hear the music, when I see the screen splinter into pieces, and turn into glass, shatter like glass, and the pieces are scattered out and about everywhere. I get excited, I feel thrilled. I feel like a kid again in a lot of ways. Xenogears is a JRPG for the original PlayStation, which I believe came out in 1996. I think it's 1996 because I remember looking at the box art so many times and so often that that year is etched into my brain, but it might be 1999. Um, uh, Actually, I'm not near a computer. I'm not at liberty to look it up, so you guys are going to have to do your Googles on your end, but that's neither here nor there. The point is, it's a game unlike any other game that I had ever really seen or played in a long time. My first introductions to JRPGs was Final Fantasy VII, I believe. Most people around my age played Final Fantasy VI, which I had seen a couple of times at one of my friends' house. So I had a friend who was a very hardcore gamer And whenever I would go spend the night at his house, we would stay up all night playing anything and everything that we could think of until we couldn't stay up late anymore. Now, at the time, I was mostly into whatever were the standard Super Nintendo games that you could kind of get your hands on. Games like Star Fox, Super Mario World, Street Fighter. Street Fighter was my favorite. Those were the ones in the arcades that kind of gave me those fantastic memories. I can still hear it in my brain of stepping into these big, massive rooms with a giant cabinet set up and just hearing calls of like Hadouken, Hadouken, Hadouken over and over and over again. That sound 
was kind of everything to me. That's the sound of my youth, my childhood. So, when I think about that era, those were the games I was trying to play. So, we were staying up late, and he was just going through all his collections. And so he showed me uh, what I now realize was Final Fantasy VI, but we called it uh, Final Fantasy III in the States. And my memories of it were very weird. I didn't understand why he was so, like, why he was showing it to me, because it seemed so odd. He was showing me this thing, and there was this, like, map. So there was, like, blue surrounding uh kind of like the tan sandy area surrounding something else um then the next thing you know there was this big boat like a captain's ship in the air and we were in the air and there's all these little characters and they're all kind of standing around and then next thing you know we're on the ground and on and on and he's showing me all this stuff related to this game where I'm not really quite understanding or comprehending what it means. So, I never got into the genre that young. It wasn't until later when I actually kind of played one without knowing what it was. Super Mario RPG, I believe I rented on... When we retroactively, my brother and I were able to get a Super Nintendo because we had never had one. But I just remember playing that and thinking, oh, this is a weird Mario game. But that's kind of it. It wasn't until I was hanging out with one of my cousins. Now, she's the one that got me into anime. And in a lot of ways, all the weird, obscure anime-style games were a byproduct of her. So, she had some really interesting titles that a lot of us never would have found because she was at that young age looking for that kind of otaku influence style stuff so any type of 2d animation any type of hand-drawn artwork any type of that kind of vibrant poppy illustration within the art that's what she was looking for so she found some cool titles she she uh played brave fencer musashi which i never would have played and it was this kind of cool action platformer, weird blocky art style for the PlayStation. I never would have played that game if it wasn't for her. But then I, I started realizing, oh, there's, there's kind of some other, there are some other types of games. So we had uh, rented Final Fantasy VII. And that was the first kind of RPG where we were just kind of playing through and we were like, oh, it's a whole different thing. There's a world you can explore. You're not just thrown into a setting and then running and jumping. Like, it doesn't happen. There's context to your actions. There's character. There's story. There's worlds. There's... Um, antagonists, protagonists, there's music, there's orchestras, you're playing a, a movie, you're playing a, a show, and for the right game, you're playing an anime in a lot of respects. So we played through Final Fantasy VII, found out it was three discs, and we're playing it like all day. Like, we barely got out of Midgard. When we got out of Midgard, we're like, aren't we on the second disc yet? When are we going to get to the second disc? Not really knowing. Um, eventually, I believe, we rented Xenogears next. And that's where things got interesting. So we were playing through Xenogears. And in the beginning, it gave us that nice kind of quiet moment you have your stereotypical silent protagonist who is also a what do you call it 
he's like a, a he's really a good warrior but for some reason he has amnesia and he is slowly being integrated back into the world of battles and conflict but he's like no I don't want to fight I'm here for peace and he's living in like a village where they like tend to sheep and like farm butter and like whatever like that's kind of the lane uh, the 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 stereotype that comes from that JRPG is the silent, secretly badass killer protagonist who, at the moment, wants to be left alone so he can paint. That's how Xenogears kind of starts. So, me being a kid, I was like, oh, I just want to get into fights. I just want to go to the battle scenes. I just want to go and I want to train and all that stuff. But the character didn't. So, with that long intro, I was like, ah. When am I going to get to fight? When am I going to get to fight? Hilariously, later on in the game, I was like, when can I stop fighting? But in the beginning, I was forced not to fight. And I feel like that emphasis set up my entire perspective of what a JRPG should be. One of the things that made Xenogears so unique is just the crazy variety which led to depth of gameplay. When I say variety, I mean with this particular game, there were several different things and different modes and different functionalities that you had to do. Now, if you want to talk about variety when it kind of comes to this lane, immediately people think of Suikoden. With Suikoden, there were multiple different modes that you had to participate in. One of the first modes is just the typical RPG fairs, the typical battles, the typical here's your characters lined up on one end, and on the other end are the foes, and everybody takes turns coming after the foes and attacking them. That is the typical Suikoden mode. But in addition to that, you also had the large scale frontier battle mode where it would be armies against armies. As somebody who doesn't really like strategy games, because I don't prefer the gameplay, those modes were tough for me. So games like Oh, Final Fantasy Tactics, Phantom Brave, Disgaea. Those games don't appeal to me because I don't really enjoy tactical RPGs. The tactics and the battle strategy are not the reason why I play RPG games. I'm there for the exploration. I'm there for the adventure. I'm there for the travel, the, the variety, the mysticism. So when the entirety of the game is focused on similar type landscapes performing the exact same actions, it takes away from the appeal for me. Same way with uh, MMOs. I like them a little bit because of the scale, because of the amount of people, because of the fact that you're actually um, doing large scale exploration and adventuring. I dislike them because of how restricted they are. Especially when we started to kind of get into the WoW phase. In WoW, you couldn't really travel outside of your level zone. You could, and I did. You just had to be very careful. But that slows down the exploration. I used to like to sneak off to far and distant places and sit on the cliff and fish because it was novel, it was interesting for me. It was cool. And the first MMO that actually rewarded that was Guild Wars 2, where I was able to play through the entirety of Guild Wars 2, kind of doing anything and everything that I wanted to do. So I did get to kind of see in-game content. I did get to go and see and view the new, newest, latest, best of that game because 
it rewarded me for exploration. It rewarded me for fishing. It rewarded me for solving random puzzles. And then when I felt like just sitting and killing mobs, I could do that too. But that wasn't the end-all be-all. My point is that JRPGs had the right level of fighting and exploration and adventure that hits me on all of the right avenues. Xenogears was different because like Suikoden, it had additional variations of combat. So not only were you fighting as a human being, fighting one-on-one, not only were you, oh, I'll say man versus monster, man versus mob, that sounds better. Not only were you doing that, but with the title, you had these things called Gears. Now, Gears are basically Gundam machines, giant robots that human beings could sit inside and pilot. And within this world, having a gear was another form of mass weapon. You had to have the tech behind it. You had to have all the typical stuff that kind of comes with gear operation, at least for anime shorthand. With, uh, in the shorthand of anime, Gear operation meant you had to have some sort of support crew. In the shorthand of anime, gear operation meant one human being would be inside the machine as it is piloted. That's kind of what I'm getting at. This game spoke anime. I mean, obviously, the characters are anime style, the anime design. So when there are cutscenes, they're animated in 2D. But in addition to that, there were a couple of cutscenes where the gears were animated in 3D. And that was exciting for, for, for a kid because it was so rare. Those little moments where the scene changed and it was this fully 3D realized expanse, they just blew me away. I loved the fact that the game had that option and operated that way. I loved it. And in addition to that, In addition to having the gears, you got to fight in them. So the turn-based combat where everybody is standing in their gears and you'd have three gears, i.e. three giant robots, fighting against another even bigger battle robot, that was cool, man. I was there. I was in there from the beginning. So I really liked the fusion of seeing human versus human combat And then that gear versus gear combat, even though it's technically the same thing, because of how different it felt, it made everything feel like it had some variety, loved it. But that wasn't it. There was also an entire fighting game mini game inside of the middle of the game. There's a moment in the game, which is not too far off, where the main characters get, um, I'll just say that they're in this environment and they're able to compete in this fighting game with their gears so there's this big open field arena style combat which was a lot like power stone or really zone of the enders where you're flying zooming around not flying zooming around this kind of like pixelated space and then you're fighting this other gear so that was an actual action oriented fighting game in the middle of this jrpg bizarre unexpected unique that's what i think of when i think of uh xenogears that's one of the reasons why it's one of my favorite games of all time because it was unpredictable i never knew what was going to happen next i never knew what adventure i was going to go on next um in addition to that it was so it, it understood its clientele so A lot of you guys know of the company Square Enix. They produce Final Fantasy. They produce um, Dragon Quest. They produce uh, all of the big name RPGs, really. Well, back in the day, there used to be two companies. One was called Squaresoft. One was called Enix. Enix produced games like Star Ocean, Dragon Quest, Squaresoft produced Final Fantasy, Xenogears. I want to say Valkyrie Profile, but I don't think that's right. Because these two companies were split and because RPGs were so popular at the time, 
they were able to have smaller versions of the comp or smaller subsets that were making these smaller more unique boutique style rpg games that's how you got games like vagrant story how you got games like um oh i don't know but you kind of get what i'm saying all those weird unique titles a lot of them happened because there were these gate genres were so popular so you were allowed to explore nowadays i almost feel like you can't explore as much because the, it costs too much to make a game so if your game doesn't hit then the the potential downside is way greater than uh any of the games that currently exist so you don't see as many Breath of Fires. And actually, Breath of Fire hasn't really come back in a long time. There was a bit of a clip showing Breath of Fire 6. And if you go to YouTube right now, pull up the clip for Breath of Fire 6, where we're thinking, oh, finally, they're dusting off this IP. I can finally play a new Breath of Fire game. It's been so freaking long. No, that is not what they did. Instead, what happened is they made like a mobile game or something like that. Something where no one was satisfied, which is not what people wanted. And it was just a bunch of nonsense. So this was the heyday. This was the heyday and it was the golden age of RPGs for me. A lot of people say the Super Nintendo era. That's probably right because it's the, the golden age is when it's first created. So I would say Super Nintendo era. This is the silver age when it's at its peak when it's at its best when it's the behemoth one of the, the the powerhouses of genres first person shooters didn't even exist until n64 not really there were a couple of first person titles but they were just weird novelty arcade games that you would actually have to go play or get an actual gun add-on plastic gun add-on that you could use to kind of fire at the different targets this was the genre of import I used to read on IGN.com all of my favorite games, all the reviews, and I used to make me proud when Xenogears had like a 97 review on IGN, and when Chrono Cross had like a, what was Chrono Cross's review? I don't even remember. Had like a really like high up 90s review, and I love Chrono Cross, man. Whew. Chrono Cross was a game that I actually purchased day one. No, it wasn't day one. It was like within the first month or something, but we were watching the video, that intro video with the violin music. We watched that like hundred times. Watched it at school, watched it at home. I love that music. That is some of the most cinematic um, OSTs I've ever heard in my life. And I listen to it still uh, whenever I'm working or writing. But my point is Xenogears had that variety and it made it like a force. It made it a standout. It made it super unique. It made it an RPG to be reckoned with that was always kind of at the forefront of um, the chaos. So whenever I think of uh, the top RPG games, I think Xenogears. I think about these memories and these moments. Um, when I was doing something and expecting A, and I didn't even get another letter, I got like, it's like I'm expecting A and then I got like Jupiter, like a, a planet or something. Like, it's crazy how unique this game is. Um, and then there's the gameplay itself. So whenever you're doing a turn-based RPG, what was typical is you would select a character action from a menu. So you would select item, you would select uh, attack, which is your base attack. You would select special attack, which would be derived based on a certain set of skill points. You could select magic or whatever. That's the standard. Xenogears did something cool where for their attacks, you would select attack, but then you would actually have to do button combinations. So as you're pressing square, square, triangle, square meant something different than triangle. So you would do square, punch, punch, triangle might be grapple the enemy and then x might be kick so you could do grapple grapple kick or grapple punch punch or whatever you wanted to do however many action points you had and what's so impressive about that is how it adds complexity in the most simplistic of ways it creates almost the illusion of depth because 
you're giving me minor choices within my choice. So it's like I feel more involved as the action is happening. Um, I think Valkyrie Profile, the original one, did it just as good. Uh, maybe even a little bit better because of how fast and stream streamlined the, the combinations were. But once again, that's another game for another day. Um, as unique as Xenogears was, it did have a couple of uh, issues that kind of... Uh, kept me from fully fully beating it because I've never beat the game to this day I think I watched the ending on YouTube one year uh, many years back but there were a couple of things that kept it from pulling me and tethering me all the way through even though it's my favorite JRPG of all time there's certain aspects of games that I almost feel like should be standardized. Particularly when it comes to the JRPG genre. There are certain pieces that continue for ages and ages simply because that's been the way that things have been done. There's typically a map. There's typically exploration. There's typically cast of characters with different styles and of that cast because the nature and the style of the the combat each person has a different specialty which fits into a certain category they may be up close damage they might be theft they might be magic they might be absorbing a lot of punishment there's certain staples of the genre that for the most part are pretty consistent with regards to certain different types of variety so that being said some of the things that are staples or that have been consistent are that way simply for the fact that that's just the way things have always been done in the past sometimes it's good sometimes it's not one of the things that plagues the JRPG genre, the MMO genre uh, maybe even the western RPG genre but not nearly to this degree is the notion of grinding grinding for the uninformed which I'm assuming most of you aren't grinding is the notion of leveling it's fighting scores and scores of mobs to increase um, to kind of increase your level to the point to where you can take on stronger opponents This term, I guess, was popularized or came about because in certain games, right, in certain MMOs, in certain RPGs, JRPGs, you're following along with a story. And as the story progresses, you are then tasked with going about and engaging in combat with different mobs, different creatures, um, different events. And those said events are your, what do you call it? Those said events are your um, moments to fight. Sometimes they're just like side characters. Sometimes you have to pass through a dungeon. Uh, Sometimes you have boss battles. And the boss battles tend to be where a lot of characters get tripped up. Because the bosses, by nature, are far more powerful than the average creature. So because of this, you have to make sure that you are engaging in enough combat to increase your level. You know what, let's get super, super basic with this, because I mean, why not? It's fun. So to get super basic, you as a character evolve and get stronger on a numerical scale called a level. 
say you start at level one and as level as level one you have so much uh, strength you have so much health you have so much magic and stamina I think those are for the most part the basics right and the only way that it can do it so that it's comprehensible and relatable and translatable and transferable from person to person from character to character is on a numerical basis so at the most basic sense someone with level one and say they have 10 health 10 magic 10 stamina they aren't going to be as strong as somebody at level two because someone at level two is going to have say 20 health 20 stamina 20 magic and 20 is greater than 10 just to kind of keep it base 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 like that now obviously you could get into the finer details and do your own spreadsheets and as you increase uh your 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 stats your statistics um you can kind of know how you fare against other creatures based on that numeric sense but most of it is calculated in the background for you so you just focus on increasing your level the way you do that is that you gain experience points this is so wild that I'm explaining this. It's so funny to me. But I mean, that's real, you know? Um, if you're just jumping in and you're like, okay, I wonder if anyone's really ever seriously explained this and not been like, anyway, anyway. So what happens is, how does the computer know to change your character from level one to level two? How do you increase levels? So what they did is they factored in this other numerical sense. You gain experience in the form of points based on the number of mobs that you defeat. So if, if, if it states below your character, this character who's at level one requires six experience points in order to get to level two. In order to get an experience point, you have to defeat a slime, and one slime will generate you one experience points. So, in order for you to level up, you must defeat six slime. Bada bing, bada boom, and as it increases, so does that number increase exponentially and that's kind of the fun is that you have goals you have numerical goals you have goals that you can outline and focus on and you can actually equate okay i need 6000 xp uh, i get about a thousand xp per kill in this area because the mobs are really strong so it's going to take me uh, six more kills before i can get to level 32 and you feel that progression. So that is how you get stronger. When you're going into a boss fight and you're level 23 and the boss is level 29 and all your characters are level 23, they may be strong together, but against that boss, he'd probably whip their ass. That boss might mop the floor with all of those characters. And because of that, because of that, you're thinking, oh shoot, I lost that boss fight. I got a game over. I don't want to get another game over. So what I'm gonna do is I'm going to increase my character's levels away from the boss. I'm gonna go out into fields with the random encounters or with the visible encounters, and I'm gonna fight <coughs> much easier, smaller monsters that I know I can defeat gain experience points that's distributed amongst my team members until we become level 24, 25, 26. Oh, we gained three, three levels. We're three levels stronger than the next thing you know, you have the strength and the capacity to defeat said boss. Beautiful. It's awesome, it's fun until the bosses are too strong. There are some times where because the bosses are so strong, it takes you forever, 
forever to level up to a point where you can defeat them. Until it no longer becomes fun, it becomes, quote unquote, a grind. Hence, the name, The Grind. And that is kind of where the JRPG gets a little bit of fault. There are certain areas, there are certain instances, there are certain moments, almost historically, in the JRPG lexicon, catalog, whatever you want to call it, where the game becomes a grind because you're no longer focused on the adventure, on the exploration, on the challenges, on the seeking new items, on the artifacts. You're solely focused on increasing level so you can bypass the current location, which you can't bypass until you defeat the boss. And here's where the problem is. Sometimes it's on the players, the players fault. And they just didn't fight enough mobs. They were avoiding combat. And then when the bo- they got to the boss, they were like, shoot, I cannot defeat him. He's way too strong. He's way too powerful. And when that happens, then, well, they should have been fighting throughout. Sometimes it's on the game. Perfect example, I was playing Grandia 3 for the PlayStation 2. Loved, loved, loved that game. It was so much fun. I played Grandia uh, 2 as well, which I think I still have somewhere, but I never defeated that one. That one uh, got a little abstract. I'm, I'm sure I could finish it, but it wasn't sucking me in like some of the other games. But this one did. It was very fun. Great game. And I made it a point. When I was going through any dungeon, I went through every corner. I walked around multiple times. I checked every location. Now, why is that important? Because this was a game that had random encounters. A random encounter is when you're walking along the world, you're walking along the grass or those high grass fields if you play Pokemon, and then all of a sudden the screen dissolves. And now you're in a different screen where your characters are fighting monsters. That's how they did it back in the day because they didn't have the graphical fidelity to make a world that big and have the super cool, intense graphics of the cool spells and everything on the same screen as the map. It wasn't until like a couple of other games where they were able to factor it in. Maybe they had more time. Maybe they had more money where they could kind of keep the same map and put the cool graphics in the same location. But in games like Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy VII is the best example because the world map, the characters are short, squat, and blocky because that's all the space they had graphically. But when you go to the battle screens, they're fully sized characters normal proportions they are more detailed because in this environment they don't have to then factor in every single location where the characters are standing they can pre-generate the locations and as they pre-generate those locations then they can put the characters in and they can save space that way especially for a game that big so that's super common with jrpgs so whenever there's a random encounter it takes you out of the ordinary screen and into the actual battle screen. That's what I'm talking about. So when you're in a dungeon, that means every time you walk around, there's a potential of having a random encounter. And for those of us who are RPG enthusiasts, we know that sometimes it's awesome and sometimes it is annoying. When you just want to go from point A to point B because you're just trying to get something that you forgot and then you have to fight six different mobs or run away from them or whatever but it still slows you down uh people were very excited when um certain games started to display the uh enemies on screen and um when they displayed them on screen they could kind of when they displayed them on screen they could kind of avoid combat a little bit easier if they wanted to now that being said I did that for every boss fight had multiple multiple random encounters compiled upon one another back to back to back to back to back throughout the whole game so when I got to a boss I was prepared 
I want to say there may have been one boss that was challenging, but the rest, I preloaded all of my combat so that my characters were reasonably high levels. Then I got to the end of the game, the very end. I, took, I, went, I went through the last dungeon. I did the same thing. I did everything that I was supposed to do up to that point. And then when I got to the last boss, he was so strong, it, it wasn't even close. They upped his level to such a degree, I would have had to go back and grind it and grind it and grind it, probably for days, just to be able to see the end of the game. That was one of the games, I just didn't do it. My cousin did. She was like, well, I just went and I fought and I fought and I fought and I fought and then I went and fought the last guy. And I just, I wasn't interested. That's not fun. That's a job. And because I'm in it for the story, I never finished that story. And we didn't have like YouTube back in the day like that to where I could just be like ending for Grandia 3. Like it wasn't around like that. Now I could probably watch it, but I don't even remember what happened in the story. It's been so long. I don't remember the context, but that's one of the faults and frustrations of JRPGs is the grind. Now I'm not going to really compare it to MMOs because the grind is factored in in order to keep you in certain locations so that um, you stay uh, integral to the spots of your levels. That's by design. When it happens in the JRPG, that's by poor design, especially once you get into the PlayStation era. There are a couple of moments in Xenogears where this is the case, where you had to level up, where you had to grind it out in order to see the next bit of content through no fault of the player, but as the game has poorly designed itself. One of the most uh, egregious ones is kind of toward the end when you're in a certain area and like everybody is super, super high mob, fights take forever, and it's just a chore to walk through the location. Uh, there's a couple of other places where you can wander, but that's one of the main faults of the game is that there is a grind. There are some grind bottleneck points. There's some grind midpoints. There's some moments where you're just like, oh, I'm stuck here and there's nothing you can do because that's the nature of the game. So that is, in my opinion, the one or two faults that are there in lieu of its beauty. And I don't mean to say that this takes it down a notch or makes it from an A to an A minus, not at all. This game's an A plus because I don't factor in just a tiny little detail. Perfection doesn't equal perfection. Things executed perf perfectly don't equate to perfect joy. That's what I'm trying to get at. This game is wonderful and beautiful, but there are some faults. Um, I would have liked to see more 3D animated cutscene because I feel like there was maybe one, maybe two. I would have liked to. Um, I would have liked to had the ability for some of the fights to not take so long. Uh, but, the, but, but, but that's kind of it. There was a couple of moments where it's very easy to get lost, where you could easily get kind of pinned into a corner towards the later areas of the game, even though everything was so cool and unique and exploratory. One of the best games I've ever played in my life, probably my favorite game, of all time, or at least my favorite JRPG, because now, as I'm getting older, um, as I've gotten older, being your uncle otaku, there are certain games where I just love them equally for different reasons. Uh, some of my favorite games, which I'm sure I'm going to talk about at a later time, when I do like Western RPGs, like more in depth, Skyrim, one of my favorites of all time, like a, a lot of people. Dragon's Dogma, one of my favorites of all time, like a lot of people. And I was thinking about it a few minutes ago. I haven't played it in a while, so I think I'm going to boot up the 360 tonight and do a whole new playthrough just for kicks. Just for kicks. I like being the sword and shield guy and just going around and slashing goblins. And I think I'm going to do that for a week or two because my vacation's coming up. I'm doing a lot of traveling 
to small places. So it'd be nice to be able to just play that game and do nothing for a while while I make content for you guys. Um, it'd be cool if I could do that, hook that up and play that game with you guys. I'll figure that out. So I'll figure out how to do a Twitch stream of that because I think that would be really cool because that's one of my favorite, favorite, f -f 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 favorite games. Um, but that is some of the stuff that that game uh, could do better, in my opinion. And as I'm talking about it, there are some games that are built around the grind that are still kind of JRPGs, but they're also MMOs. I would love to play Ragnarok online. The exploration, the character creation, the uniqueness of that game when it first came out, beautiful beautiful i'm gonna download that one too because it just there's something magical about it in it within its imperfection there's something there's something beautiful about that particular title that a lot of titles just don't have the 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 charm of it the the whimsical nature the style the noises the sounds I just remember wandering and playing and fighting. It was just such a broken, lovely, great, perfect moment. And playing with some of my friends. When it was brand, brand new. I'm talking 2002, my friends. When it was in beta. When it was... Anyway. Your Uncle Hokage wanders off the beaten path from time to time. Um, so I apologize if uh, I take you to places that you weren't expecting. But I'm going to expand this out and I want to talk more JRPGs here. So stay tuned. We're going to talk more JRPG stuff and uh, we're just going to keep it going because yes, Xenogears is one of my favorite games of all time. One of the final things that makes Xenogears just a cut above the rest is the storytelling. For a lot of you guys, whether you know or whether you don't know, I love a good story in an RPG. I, I thrive on it. One of my favorite RPGs of all time is Suikoden 3, simply for the story. Gameplay was iffy for me. The, the 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 graphics, the characters were foreshortened arms and legs. They were a little stunted. The um, um, I guess the, the 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 battle scenes where you had to to fight with armies doesn't quite do it for me. But the story. From the get-go, the atmosphere, it's just stellar. The character work, the, the way that I felt involved and invested and afraid and excited and enthralled and thrilled, all because of the way they made the characters so human. I love a good story. And... Seeing one in an RPG title, kind of like Xenogears, seeing that grand idea where it almost challenges your conventional way of thinking. It starts off with this text scrawl, which was very common back in the day. The text scrawls where the characters, or they would set the setting. Uh, this world, this is happening, this is occurring, blah, blah, blah. Uh, very similar to in the beginning of anime and manga, where they say, long ago in this world, the famous one from Naruto, there was a nine-tailed demon fox, and it was running rampage. And it, the, the strongest ninja in the, in the world, known as the Hokage, sealed the fox in a baby and died in the attempt. Boom. That's how the story starts. You get, you know exactly what's going on on the big scale, and then it shrinks down the story with the character. This game does the same thing. I think it starts with a quote, which I believe is from the Bible. I am the Alpha, the Omega, 
the beginning and the end. And then it goes into its own, almost like um, this is where the story stems from. This is the meaning behind this story. And it just kind of slowly doles out small little pieces. And what's fun within this game is the unique little moments of, wow, this... um, We're going to deal with this little mini story arc over here in the desert with these rebels. We're going to deal with this story arc over here in the city with these underground fighters. We're going to deal with this story arc over here. I don't want to say too much more because if you haven't played it, find it, buy it, emulate it, whatever you got to do. Um, it's, It's a gem. It's a gem of a game. If they have it for sale on the virtual console, I don't really know. I don't have access to virtual consoles yet because I don't have a PS4 or uh, Xbox One or PS3 or an, an Xbox. Um, uh, what was the one in between before the new Xbox? Whatever that one was. That's a story for another day. But if they have it, you need to play it. But yeah, Xenogears, it's just it's it's very special to me. One of my one of my favorite um, memories about it was when I was a kid, my mom used to take me to go and rent something during the summer breaks. We didn't have tons of money. Uh, as Dave Chappelle said, we, my parents made enough money for uh, us to be poor around, uh, around rich, uh, rich white folk. That, <laughs> that's basically my childhood. I went to a very, um, very wealthy school and uh, had my dad sent me and my brother and my sister to a public school, we would have had plenty of money, but because he invested in us young, uh, we were kind of just scraping by, which was fine, um, because we, we had everything. We had each other, and we had wonderful family, and we were always able to do something. Um, but because, you know, we had to be smart with our money, we, um, I rented a lot. I didn't have all the newest, latest, and greatest things. I had very friends that were a little bit more well off, and they just had things. Uh, one of my friends, I feel like he had every PlayStation, Super Nintendo game that existed. As soon as it came out, he had it. That's just his world. And it was just cool because we would just relate on different levels, but we weren't getting anything right away. But one of my favorite memories was I really wanted to play something, but I didn't know what. I just knew I wanted to rent a game. And we were driving down the road, and I was going to, I believe, Hollywood Video. And Hollywood Video was, I think, two streets down from where I grew up. It was on 14th Street, uh, across the road from the Tom Thumb. Um, 14th and Jupiter street names and as we were pulling up my mom was like okay I'm not sitting in the car this whole time what are you going to get you going to get something I mean what do you want and as we're getting there I was like it's okay mom I know exactly what I'm going to get and I went in I had my Hollywood video card which you used to check out videos I had my little monies and I grabbed Xeno Gears right away and I went right to the checkout counter because that game was it's special. It's it's beautiful, it's touching, and it's way better even than I'm describing now. So that's why I feel like Xeno Gears is the greatest JRPG of all time. It hits all of the right pieces for me. And it's just my number one, uh, despite what's come out. And a lot of that is nostalgia factored in because there are some great titles that have come after it. Um, Valkyrie Profile was beautiful. Uh, Final Fantasy um, uh, 12, I really enjoyed. I really liked Final Fantasy 12, despite its storytelling flaws. Uh, I'm trying to think of any others I played before. I took my little temp hiatus from gaming and started doing more WRPGs. Not from gaming, but from uh, JRPGs, really. But it's so special to me. It's so 
powerful. And when I make my first big monies and I decide, okay, now everyone else gets cars, everyone else gets a home, I'm going to get my collection, my little RPG collection and um, all of those titles that I just want to have so I can pop in and play. That's what I'm going to get. I'm going to redo that. And I think hunting all those down is what I'm going to be about. I'm going to be an RPG hunter, if this were Hunter Hunter. I'm going to be an RPG hunter. And the rarer, the better, as long as they're fun, as long as they're good. Not to have to have, but the quality ones. That's what I want. So thank you, as always, for listening to the uh, Uncle Hokage's anime podcast. Uh, We're finally up on the podcast app, which means we're probably on iTunes. I have not checked yet. But please do me a favor and share with one of your friends. Tell people about uh, the podcast because that uh, that keeps it going for me. Uh, In addition to that, uh, this uh, Saturday, or not this Saturday, next Saturday, August the 17th, I'm going to be at Anime Fest. We're going to be shooting some stuff for the anime channel that I'm kind of putting together. Um, I think we have some awesome candidates uh, to be some co-hosts. I'm going to be shooting some videos of my own. We're going to be taking footage of the con. It's one of the big cons in Dallas. Texas, where I am from. The big one is Akon, but Anime Fest is another fantastic con. I'm very excited. I didn't get to go last year, but I'm going this year. So if you happen to be in the Dallas area and you're going to Akon, or you happen to be the Dallas area and you're just bored and want to go to a convention and you weren't thinking, come to, uh, not Akon, come to Anime Fest. Uh, It's the 16th, which is Friday, through the 19th, which is Monday. They're expanding it for one extra day. So Uh, Come on out. If you see me, Uncle Hokage, your otaku uncle, come say hi. I'd love to chat it up with you guys. And we'll talk anime, we'll talk manga, we'll enjoy ourselves, and we'll just be involved in the whole expanse of, uh, of of the con. So, thanks for listening. Like, share, subscribe. Love, peace, and hair grease.